Uh, it is a real pleasure to be here today. Uh, just speaking for the, uh, the family and Turning Point, we've admired Lighthouse for a long, long time. What well, your leadership and your shepherds here is that you are determined to always do church better. And also one of the convictions as a church is that we want something for you, not from you. And I just want to clarify that that is really what this entire series is about, is that we want to help you understand not just what the Bible says, but how it can actually work, how it can actually improve the quality of your life. Does that sound interesting or important to anyone here? Yes. Awesome. I'm in the right crowd. Okay, so let me uh, introduce my family to you real quick. Uh, this is my family, my wife Cece, and my son Michael, and my daughter Christina. That was uh, Christmas Day in 2015. Are there any Star Wars nerds in the audience? <laughs> awesome. Our first has awakened. But uh, this is my family, my son Michael. He is a, a disciple in the West region, and my daughter, uh, Stina, she's in the teen ministry in Turning Point, also a disciple, also very sleep-deprived today because she was jamming as well till 2 in the morning or whenever that was. We didn't even see her last night, but... Uh, I think that is so amazing that the church supports events like that. I don't know about you, but when I went to prom when I was in high school, there were regrets, there were nerves, there was all this insecurity, and for our kids to go and do something completely pure and fun, I think they had a little bit of fun last night. A little bit of fun last night. Okay, maybe, maybe they're still tired, okay, but anyway, but uh, that is what I love about church, is that we can do things right and they can be awesome, amen? Okay, so I love this series, and uh, as Mike explained earlier, Think for Eight is a concept based on one particular verse in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote, Philippians 4, 8, but before we dive into what that is, let's set this up a little bit. Thoughts? marshmallows, and peace. Now, that should make perfect sense right now. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense at all. But we're gonna, it's going to be clear as you go along. Now, is this what life is like sometimes for us? Is the quality of your life sometimes a little, a little off? Have you been there? This is, this is where I've been many, many times. And especially when I was a young kid, as a teenager, the quality of my life was not so great. I had all kinds of issues. I could not go through a day without lying to somebody about something. Uh, there was there was so many situations where I'd given to peer pressure and do things and say things so that I would feel some kind of acceptance. Uh, I had my parents, I was an only child living in my, with my parents and their marriage wasn't really a marriage, it was more like a long, painful divorce. So it was a really, really, um, it's just a really bad circumstance growing up. But as a result of that quality of living, it really messed up the way that I thought about things. And for example, Christianity, when I looked at Christianity, I thought, oh wait, Christianity all at once is for me to change all these things that I do and these things that I say so that this quality of life changes. And so thinking that way, I thought, there's no way that Christianity can work. There's no way that I can change these things or change these expectations or change these priorities. And so all that quality of my life affected the quality of my thinking. Now, there's some really good news in the Bible. And the good news is this. It's actually reversed. It's, abs it's absolutely upside down. It's actually the quality of our thinking that God actually really cares about. Because if he can change the quality of our thinking, guess what happens? The quality of our living becomes better. 
What I, what I always feared was white-knuckle Christianity. Have you guys heard that concept? White-knuckle is when you, you say no to things you shouldn't do, you say no to certain maybe groups or people you shouldn't hang out with, but you say no to everything, so you kind of look like everything's okay, but inside you're still miserable. And that, what's interesting is that God does not desire that for any of us. He does not want good, well-behaved Christians being tormented internally. He wants to improve, transform, renew us from within, and then we get to see all the benefits of that in the quality of our life. Does that sound like a plan? That is an incredible plan. So let's look at this verse. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what should we do? It doesn't say do such things. Paul does not give us a laundry list of things we need to get done today. He gives us a charge to change the way that you think. Start from the inside first. Now, what's really remarkable about this verse is not just what it says, but when and where it was written. Paul wrote these words in prison. Paul, for many, many years, had been a persecutor of the church. Paul was an individual who absolutely, at one point, despised Christianity. He threatened people who would talk or start sharing about this man, Jesus, who had walked the earth just a few years earlier. And then he had this radical transformation and became a believer. He realized that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah, that Jesus, in fact, was the Lord. And he radically changed his life. In fact, he changed it so much, he went all over the place, building and encouraging churches That's why most of the letters in the New Testament are written by him to churches to encourage them, to help them. So complete radical change. But yet here he is in the worst circumstances. And look at what he's saying to us. Can you imagine in that circumstance, he could have had all kinds of choices as far as what he wanted to think about in prison. He could have thought about his past. He could have thought about, man, what are, what are all those horrible things that I did years ago? What a horrible person. And maybe, maybe I deserve prison because of these horrible things I did in the past. Right? Or he could have gone upward. He could have thought, you know, who, what kind of God do I serve who I do all these things for and then puts me in these kinds of circumstances? What kind of God is How dare he? He could have chosen to think that way. But see, Paul knew something that we need to know very, very deeply. That God offers us a life that is greater than our circumstances. Does anyone here right now have perfect, ideal circumstances in your life? See, I'm not there either. I, I, I keep waiting, but maybe someday. No, but we don't get there, right? And there's a lot of reasons for that. But what's amazing, here's Paul in these circumstances, and yet he is encouraging, he's helping us think in the best possible way. 
in the best possible way. I love this quote. Happiness cannot come from without. It must come from within. It is not what we see and touch or that which others do for us which makes us happy. It is that which we think and feel and do first for the other fellow and then for ourselves. Now, if you think that quote is powerful, and I think it is, wait till you see who said this. Helen Keller. She lived to the age of, I think, 86 years old. But at 18 months, she was contracted with scarlet fever and lost the ability to see and lost the ability to hear. And she never saw or heard anything for the rest of her life. And yet, because of people that loved and sacrificed for her, she learned a way to connect, to communicate with people. Now to me, those circumstances, those seem like worse than prison, right? How about those circumstances? And yet look at her mindset. Her mindset wasn't, well, if I could just see a little bit, I could be happy. You know, if I could just hear music once in my life, things would be a little bit better. No, she found something more important than her circumstances. That's amazing. She, I think, understood what Paul is trying to teach us. See, I found Philippians 4.8 about four years ago. I mean, I'd read it many, many times, and to be honest with you, I'm a Christian for, I'm going to be 25 years this year, okay? That's a long time, right? I'm a veteran, uh, I'm an old guy, whatever you want to call that, but whatever. But it was about four years ago when I realized that for all those years before, I sort of read Philippians 4.8 like poetry. Wow, that sounds so good. What nice, pleasant words. But about four years ago, my circumstances were horrific. Some painful, painful things came up in my family. Some things going on with my, one of my kids, going through some incredible trials that affected him, affected me, affected other people. It was a horrible situation. And I had all these doubts and all these questions but then I discovered not just what this verse read, but what this verse was trying to teach me. Is that David, no matter what your circumstances, take really good care of your mind and take care of how you think. Because God doesn't want us just to be stewards of our money and stewards of our time and stewards of our energy. God desires us to be stewards, to be great managers of our thoughts. Now, for some of us, that sounds harder, right? Well, I'd rather just change my behaviors. I can't change my thinking. And if you feel that way, that's okay, because this is what the Bible is for. The Bible is here to give us hope in changing the most important thing, our heart our minds and the behaviors will come the behaviors will come pleasure comes from without while joy arises 
from within. How many are interested in joy? Okay. I don't know about you, but for years, I had joy and pleasure confused. Pleasure seemed to always end up leading with regret. Joy never leaves with regret. Sometimes my pursuit of pleasure, especially if it was sexual or immoral or chemical, always had regrets, always hurt someone, either me or another individual. Joy harms no one, which is why that is exactly what God wants to help us have and protect in any circumstance. That is an amazing father. That is a father who is extremely for you, not against you. We have to hear that. He's incredibly for you. And some of us aren't familiar with this kind of parenting. Have you ever heard of those parents that want their kids to behave perfectly? It's funny, I didn't hear any of the teens say anything, but I guess these parents are doing pretty good. That's awesome, man. But, you know, I've done that. I've done that where I've kind of watched my kids and all I want are these behaviors. And at the same time, I'm clueless as to what's going on inside of them. How do they feel while they do that? How are they thinking while they do those things? You know, I'm a part-time minister, but I'm also a part-time counselor. And one of the honors I've had over the last probably 12 years is working in an addiction medicine unit with adolescents dealing with substance abuse problems. And what's been really phenomenal about that is that these kids come in, and, you know, they're using pot and experimenting with different club drugs and all this kind of stuff. But they always come in with these parents. Who do you think is more difficult to work with? Now, before I got the job, I thought, oh my gosh, there's no way I could help a teenager with that issue. There's just no way. These teens, man, they're so independent. They don't want to know what an old man says and all that kind of stuff. But it was amazing. These kids actually really did want an adult in their lives. But they wanted an adult who would be present, safe, a little open, right? And there's this really strange clinical term about what these kids really needed. You guys ready to write this down? It was love. Have you heard of that? It's incredible. But see, the parents are like, man, why doesn't this kid stop doing that? Come on, he should change already. He should be doing better in school. He should be doing this, doing that. And I'm just like, Dad, do you understand? You are the ceiling of sobriety. Okay? Your kid's going to look at you and say, wow, that's how happy I can be if I stay off drugs. <laughs> Man, sign me up for a marijuana card. You know what I'm saying? I mean... <laughs> That's horrible. But this is what, we can get this all mixed up. But understand, that is not God. God is not this angry parent, you know, stomping his foot. Yes, he knows what you're doing. He knows that so many things you do may be completely wrong. But guess what? 
He cares about more than what you're doing. He sent his son because of why you do some of those things. We don't sin because sin doesn't work. We sin because we think and we feel like it works. It provides distraction. It provides, it provides relief. It provides numbness. Right? It does all these different things. But guess what? It always fails. It always leads to more disconnection. Not just from others. Not just from God. But from yourself. From yourself. Okay, I want to share something with you. This is an amusing video that I think will help us understand a very important concept. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna go do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. Oh, it smells really It's up to you. You can have it now or you can wait. Okay? I'll be back. Stay in the chair, okay? So I'm going to leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. <laughs> How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? Yeah. You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. 
what I tell you, I'd give you another one. Okay, now you can have both. You need them. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, did we relate to anyone in that video? Hopefully none of us were the poor little girl who caved in before the woman even got out of the room. That was amazing. I felt so bad for her. Okay, so here's the thing. This, uh, hold on, where's my other number there? Oops, sorry. Here we go. So uh, this actually was a replica, replication of an actual experiment that was done back in the 1960s by a, name, by a guy by the name of Walter Mischel. And what this guy did was he took over 654-year-olds and did the same exact experiment, okay? If you wait, you get two marshmallows. If you can't, enjoy your one marshmallow. Now, here's how it turned out. 70% of the four-year-olds couldn't make it. Come on, everybody go, oh. Right, it's sad, right? Only 30% actually made it 15 minutes before they got that second marshmallow, okay? Now, what's interesting about this, Walter Mischel was a very interesting guy. So you look at this study and you, get, you can kind of get depressed and go, oh my gosh, 70% of people don't have that kind of impulse control, self-control to wait for the second marshmallow. But he did something very clever. He studied the 30%. What are these kids doing differently that's helping them make it all the way to 15 minutes. And he studied them, and he learned all these different things about the way that the kids thought about the experiment. How they were thinking during those 15 minutes to make it all the way. So guess what he did? He took all that information and taught it to the other kids. That's what's so inspiring is that, guess what? God has made us with this incredible ability to learn and grow no matter where we are at. That's incredible. That is really, really good news. But here's the thing. What if life is about more than marshmallows? Because we all want joy, right? But sometimes we turn to marshmallows when we want peace or when we want some kind of distraction, right? And it could be anything. Let me just go to, you know, have one more drink. Just one more drink and I'll be okay. One more bad website. Just, just one more. That'll be enough. Or if my kids just did a little better in school, I'd be okay. Then, then I would have peace. Or if only my parents raised my allowance, then my life would be great, right? Or if I just got a better job, and then you get that job, right? And then you're like, well, I want a better boss. You know what I mean? I mean, do you see where this is going? It doesn't stop at two. It doesn't stop at three. 
And all of those marshmallows are circumstances that we hijack our own joy with. And see, Jesus came to give us a different plan. He came to give us something, a life that was free of those circumstances. So that I don't need something out there, or I don't need something for you to do in order for me to have peace, to have joy. See, Jesus offered us a spiritual life, not a life attached to circumstances. That's an incredible gift. But remember, it begins with the quality of our thinking. The kids that went for the first marshmallow, how much did they think? They didn't. <laughs> they felt. They, they, they craved. They, they went for it, right? But the quality of our thinking can make all the difference. C.S. Lewis said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. That is so profound. And have we all already figured this out? Have we figured that out? That our desires here just never quite make it? If we haven't figured that out, then unfortunately there's a lot of disappointment ahead. But when we accept that this world's actually not going to work, doesn't mean I can't have good things, doesn't mean I can't have a great life and a great job and great family and all those kinds of things, but they aren't my marshmallows. They're my blessings from a father who loves me and a father that I love and that I want to serve. And I know that all those things that I have are given to me, right? They're blessings. So let's look a little bit before Philippians 4a. This is what Paul says earlier. He says, rejoice in all of your marshmallows. Oops. No, that's not how it works, right? Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Paul's in prison. Paul's being humiliated. Paul's being unappreciated. But yet, he was able, even in those circumstances, to understand that his life was in the Lord, not in a cell, not in a bunch of circumstances, not surrounded by a bunch of marshmallows. No, my life is in the Lord. That is the most important. So he says it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. It's funny, when you want marshmallows, you're not very gentle. Have you noticed that? Quick, I want that marshmallow. I want that next thing. I want that next Xbox or whatever that stuff is, right? We, want, we just want, keep wanting the next thing. And the world knows this well. It's called advertising. Have you heard that? <laughs> it's all over the place, people. And it's always saying the same thing, that what you have now is not enough. And guess what? You hear that 50,000 times a day, you start to believe it. Yeah, I don't think I have enough. Yeah, 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 I'm married. Yeah, 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 my kids are healthy, but I don't have enough. 
And the world starts creeping in to convince you that you don't have joy and you don't have peace. And it's a lie. But the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about most things. Don't be anxious about bad things. No, 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 no. It's, it's broader than that. Don't be anxious about anything. Anything. How did we do this morning? I mean, I was having a conversation with my wife this morning. I mean, I wasn't up 30 minutes before I got a wonderful opportunity to have anxiety about something. And I just said, honey, I understand. We probably need to talk about that. I bet there's a way to work it out. But right now, I just, I need to focus on what's important. You see, it's, it's not... It's something we always have to choose. It's not like this weird talent that we suddenly get and like, oh, suddenly I just, I'm fine all the time. This is great. No, it's called living with God. Not being controlled by God, but living with Him. Walking with Him. But in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. And by the way, that's a really good word. Requests. Has a little tint of humility to it. Marriages. How do they work when you bring all your demands into your marriage? It doesn't go very well. But requests has a little smoother edge to it. You know what I mean? But it's that, it's that thing of, you know what? Hey, I'm going to be okay but if, if it would be okay, here's my request. And oh, what else? Oh, with thanksgiving. And by the way, I'm not forgetting all the other blessings that I have in my life. Thank you for the blessing of being able to see. Thank you for the blessing of being able to hear. Thank you for the blessing of being able to walk and move today. Because guess what? I know some people that don't have those gifts. And for some reason, they're more grateful than I am. So maybe I do need to work on the quality of my gratefulness. And the peace of God, which transcends your understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Who will guard your heart and mind? You? No. See, this is, we have a, a, a dilemma, a, an epidemic and turning point that I'm really working on. It's called reading the Bible too fast. Okay? So it really helps. When you read the Bible slow, it actually starts coming to life a little bit more. It's not us. We cannot guard our hearts and our minds. But when I lean and depend on something outside of me, the peace of God that transcends the way that I think about things. Because my understanding says I need those. I need one more thing. I need one more friend. I need one more pay raise. Whatever. 
Therefore, I need something that is greater than me. We all need something that is greater and actually more loving than ourselves. That's God. That is what Jesus came for. Jesus came to give us freedom. Freedom from those. And freedom from that gives us joy and peace. What are the things that get in our way? Sometimes, I, I think lately, especially in this really difficult thing that went on in our family a few years ago, I thought all the time, I, you know, I want changes, I want, I want improvements, I want, I want better results, I wanted all these things. But I was failing miserably to value peace. Just peace. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. That is how valuable, that's how cherished our peace is to God. But see, sometimes I want more than peace. And as soon as I want more than peace, guess what I lose? Peace! Right? And that's how I understand this whole thing. I mean, Paul said rejoice in the Lord, and some people can read that and go, oh, I get it. That means you should forget everything that's ever happened in your past, and you should never be sad, and you should never have to grieve, and never be disappointed. I don't think that's what he said. Because guess what? You can be incredibly hurt. People can hurt you. And yet, guess what? You can still have peace. And with God and with safe people, work on those things. It's incredible. Okay. Here's our verse. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If we're not careful, we're just going to read this verse and not do it. And that's what today's message is called. The whole series is called Think for Eight. In other words, we want to start introducing to our own minds and our own thinking habits thoughts that fit these descriptions. Now, are these happy thoughts? Maybe, some of them, but guess what? A lot of the thoughts that connect with these words are far from happy. You know, when someone puts, gets their, puts their life down to help someone else, that's not a happy thought. Boy, that is certainly admirable. That is certainly noble. When you hold your tongue and resist giving in to gossip at work or at school, hey, that's really, really hard to do, and that is really tempting, but I'm not going to do it. That's really praiseworthy. So keep in mind, this is not positive psychology. This is called healthy thinking that God told us 2,000 years ago in his word. That's amazing. So to help you guys get started, I brought a few 4-8 thoughts with me. 
Would you guys like to see some of them? All right? So here's the thing. Here's my dream. And I, I discussed this with Peter a little bit. Our ministry did a ser- the same series that I think you guys are about to go through in the next several weeks. We did it in Turning Point about a year and a half ago. Here's the thing. It transformed our culture. And the whole idea of 4-8, just those two little numbers, became a part of our vocabulary. It became a part of our cultural vocabulary. And I'm telling you, it is wonderful stuff. You're sitting in a situation, you're talking with somebody about their life and things going on at work, and they start complaining. Guess what you get to do? You get to go, hey, bro, could you give me a 4-8 thought about that situation at your job? Ouch. Okay, I'm telling you, this is a really beautiful way to admonish and improve and encourage one another by holding one another to this standard of thinking. Not just behavior, but thinking. This is good. Teens, you can do this to your parents. You know? It's free game. It's Paul, man. Say, Paul told me to think about such things, mom and dad. Okay? Parents, I just lost all the parents. I'm so sorry. Holding you guys to the Bible, that's pretty, you know, okay, whatever. All right, so here is a 4 eight thought. God is? Wow. I am responsible for my life. What do you think? Does it fit? Yeah. Now here's the thing. If you want help in learning how to create these things, take a good thought and think the opposite. Others are responsible for my life. Wow. Okay, now I get it, God. That is not the way to go. I am responsible for my life. God is working through me. At Turning Point, what we were doing is we would hand out index cards in like our small groups, and we would just, on index cards, write three or four of our favorite 4-8 thoughts that either we came up with or we stole from somebody else, and we'd put them on our mirrors, we'd put them on our steering wheels. I mean, we need help. So instead of marshmallows surrounding my life, I have four, eight thoughts like all over the place because they serve me better than those. They serve me a lot better. I look for and find the worst in people. Uh-oh, somebody, some of you agreed with that one. Uh, that was, that's not a four, eight thought. Okay. I look for and find the best in others. There's that one coworker that just seems to not get along with anybody, doesn't do anything right or on time, but man, I'm going to figure this one out. I'm going to find something great in that person. And guess how that will change the way you relate to that person. It's amazing. I am ready to grow. So, a little bit of that anxiety starts to come up when you're dealing with a challenge in your home, or a challenge at your job, okay? Just give yourself a 4-8 thought like this. Okay, no matter what's going to happen, God, I'm going to be anxious about nothing, and I am ready to grow. 
A few more. I am ready to follow my passion. Who gives you your passion? Bingo. My thoughts are showing. Now that one could be good or bad. My kids loved using this one on me. You know, hey, Dad, <laughs> your thoughts are showing and you don't look real happy. You know, you need to, you know, work on it a little bit, Dad, please. Everything I need, I already have. That one's really good when you have a marshmallow staring you in the face saying, no, 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 buddy, you need me. And guess what? Four eight thoughts can also be four eight questions. In fact, I think for me personally, these are the most helpful ones. I just need good questions that help initiate my thinking to go in a healthier direction. So, what am I grateful for today? I'm telling you, anything that follows that question is probably going to be good for you. How did I grow today? That's a good question. Helps you kind of scan and review your whole day thinking, how has God been leading me today? What opportunities was he giving me today that I pushed through? Okay. So I have some conversation questions. One thing we do at Turning Point, we believe that conversations lead to connection. And connection is what we are wired for by God. So here's some questions that I want to, or some thoughts I want to give you guys to just share with one another, maybe during the fellowship, right after we finish here today. But number one, identify your marshmallows that condition your joy. What are those things, what are those circumstances that distort or get in the way and sabotage your joy? Now, number two, I understand, is going to make the men feel very uncomfortable. I'm very, very sorry. So I'm going to get a little weird on you, okay? I think it's very important to find and feel four, eight thoughts on a daily basis. Here's the thing. Science is on my side on this one. Everything that you think, positive or negative, releases chemistry in your brain. It is a fact. If you think negative thoughts, your brain produces negative chemistry. And that negative chemistry starts here and goes throughout the whole body. And guess how you feel? Yeah. But if you can be intentional and decide to think four eight thoughts, be very, very curious about how that chemistry is released and how you feel when you allow God to help you steward, manage your thinking. It will make a difference. And then finally, share your four eights with others. You can share a four eight thought about yourself or, guess what? 
we can encourage one another daily and share a foray thought about someone in your life. I had a goal when we, when we were going through the series, I was still working at my clinic, and I had a goal. I want to share a foray thought about my coworkers at my job. Now, that's, that's how we do the whole light of the world thing. <laughs> Jesus said we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We, we make the world better. But we're not going to make the world better at all if we don't change first this world. If my world here is faithless, negative, critical, hopeless, all that stuff, I'm not going to be a light or a salt for anything. And this is why we need community. Because guess what? Sometimes my brother or sometimes my wife has got their foray on better than me in certain situations. And that's where we need one another. Do we all have people like that in your lives? When things aren't going so great, you got someone you call, someone you reach out to. And it's not that you're handing them your problems, but it's just to be present to help you think differently about your circumstances. Okay. Uh, that is all that I have for us today. I'm going to close us with a prayer. And I hope that you are excited about how God is going to transform your minds over the next several weeks. Okay? All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys very much. All right, let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, you are amazing. You are real. You are near. You care. God, I think about this quote I read recently that healing is not the absence of pain, but the presence of you. God, help us to get that. Because God, I know that when things are hard or difficult or things seem unsure, that is when I'm so tempted, God, to value one of those marshmallows in my life. One of those conditions that actually prevents me from having the joy and the peace that you desire for me in every waking moment. God, give us incredible courage to confront ourselves and to confront and catch our thinking and make it obedient to your will. God, you want the best for us. You are the best father. None of us have had a perfect father, but God, with you, we have that. Help us to fathom what that is and to walk with that every day, to talk with you every day, God, to share our thoughts with you, God, and get your help to transform our thinking so that we can transform our lives and be an incredible impact on everyone around us. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your son who inspired so profoundly. And yet, God, he came to give us peace. Help us to walk with that, embrace that. Help us to protect one another from anything that threatens that peace. We love you, Father. Again, thank you for this incredible day. Bless the fellowship and the conversations that are going to be happening over the next several minutes. 
and help us all to embrace this incredible way to grow and change. In your son's amazing name I pray, amen.